it, it's and I have yet to do this. I've always wanted to do my ultimate take on what it means to be a black superhero. Yeah. And and especially specifically a black superhero in America. And and it was like in the context of, you know, we're talking about a time before Black Lives Matter, before we were saying that, you know. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Badass Mofo. I am your host, David Walker. And I'm your host, Sean Awalo. And, and we've been away for, I think we've been away longer than we had anticipated, right, Sean? Is- yeah, yeah, we've been away for, uh, I think it was supposed to be a two-week break, and in essence, it ended up being a three-week break. At some point, we'll we'll talk about the episode that was supposed to happen with a special guest that, that uh, didn't happen uh, due to... <laughs> corporate complications whenever big corporations get involved even even uh on a small scale like our little podcast it uh which which, screws things up which we want to thank all five of you who listen uh (laughs) and and one of those five is is my mom so uh i'll just thank her personally later on but um yeah, no, so we took a little break, and, and it, it, just so everybody knows, we were, we're okay, if anyone cares. We weren't in jail or in the hospital <laughs> right. or anything, and, uh, and, but we were also just busy working on, on, yeah, on some stuff, so much stuff. We, we, we were, and, you know, I, I, it is funny because people, you know, it, it is weird, I, and I don't even know what the metrics are for recording the show, but, but people will surprise me by... Um, by hitting me up and being like, yeah, they listened to the, to the show uh, for, for whatever reason, because, you know, <laughs> yeah, because, whatever reason. Right, because, because they like me, they like you. I, I think it's mostly you. I think, you, no, I think it's mostly you, uh, man. I think, I think, <laughs> I think you, I think David Walker has a lot of fans. Um, but yeah, listen, we, 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 we have, we, we got busy. I think that's a good thing. Hollywood sort of opened back up a little bit. So, um, it was back in the saddle with a bunch of, of, of exciting, um, stuff with Bitterroot and, and, and then a bunch of other projects that we're, we're working on as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, uh, it did get a little busy. It's, and it's, and it's interesting too, because I, I think that, um, you know, time has a way of just, the days go by are, are very long and, and boring and they feel redundant. And then you sort of look at the calendar and it's like, yo, wait a minute, August is half over. How did this happen? Like, like I distinctly remember August 1st and like in my mind, that was like two days ago. Yeah. And, and, and in reality it was like, what, two weeks ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of that and, 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 I think when you do something like even with the pot with a podcast um, or something that that maybe is creative, like I also do the web comic discombobulated. The the thing that I I know personally is if you we don't even have to talk about it being something creative. It can be like going to the gym or working out, right? If you skip one regularly scheduled thing that you're supposed to do, whether it's going to the gym and working out or producing a web comic or doing a podcast, if you skip one it becomes that much easier to skip two, yeah. that much easier to skip three. And then the next thing, you know, that's what happened with, with, uh, with discombobulated was, uh, there was over a year that I took off of that thing. It was supposed to be just, um, like a month. 
and it turned right. into a year. And then earlier this year or late last year, I, I relaunched it in 2019 and I was doing really good. And then back in April, you know, really as the, as the quarantine was starting to weigh heavily on me and other things, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, there's like two weeks or so that I, I, I missed a week, but then I got caught up and then I missed another week. Then I got caught up. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to take another week off. But in my mind, I knew, I knew it was going to be more than a week. Right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like uh, but I deluded myself and I was like, okay, uh, I, I say it's going to be a week. Really. It'll be about three. And then it turned into three months, man. And it yeah, was just like, yeah. and, and even, even right now as we're recording this, I haven't done the the strip for this this week, um, which usually I start it on Saturday, finish it up on Sunday, post it on Monday, and I I've been so busy with this um, slightly more personal thing that I have to do in my life that uh, <laughs> I haven't got anything done. <laughs> which 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 we're gonna get to in a second, but before we get to that, let's yeah. uh, you know sort of like. Three three parts to to this podcast today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we were just talking about in Discombobulated. Then we're going to talk about the personal thing that's taken over your your life this week, and then we're going to talk about sort of a a, a project that I didn't know that you even um, had had at one point developed. That uh, you know you can still you still catch me by surprise after all these years. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But but going back to discombobulated, so you know, and ho- hopefully whoever's listening, they be better be reading discombobulated. Um, the strip is always brilliant. Uh, you, this this last story arc that you're on uh, right now has been um, masterful, and and I'm not just and I'm not the only one saying that. Um, okay. There's, I, I, there's there's a ton of people that are saying that and noticing it, um, even even in town. You know, just just sharing it with like different executives and and um and you know, so definitely go read it. But you know, who cares? We're going to give spoilers because shame on you if you if you're listening to this and you haven't you have you're not tuned into to discombobulated. I mean, you have uh, created systemic systemic racism as a character mm-hmm. um, that is hilarious from the minute you look at the character in terms of in terms of how it's illustrated um and you've created covid as a character um and they are battling it out and 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 so um and what ensues is just some really biting hardcore um probably to some people completely inappropriate but absolutely truthful and hilarious um uh, dialogue that, you know, it, it to me is when comedy is great, it, it, yeah. it, it hurts cause it speaks the truth, but at the same time, it's funny and you have to laugh. Um, so, you know, how did like, like how, you know, like <laughs> how did it come about? Um, you know, and it was interesting too, because it, it really was in a lot of ways, um, Corona COVID, um, is, is part of what put the brakes on discombobulated because because life, you know, March and April life was really overwhelming to um, to to most of us, and and so towards the end of April, I just needed, I felt I needed to take a break, and what happened was is I took a break from doing the web comic right around the time when all the shit started to get normal. When I'm talking normal, like the quarantine stuff, like we actually nobody wants to admit it, but by May. 
we were kind of there. We were like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with it. All the summer movies have been pushed back and, and, you know, I'm not going to get to go to the beach and, you know, and all that shit. And, um, and then, and then with the murder of George Floyd and then the, the black lives matter protests and then the continuing protests was just like, was like such a, um, it was a shock. Like we, it wasn't a shock really, but it was just so disheartening to see, but it was also very, in some ways, inspiring to see people rising up against the system. And, you know, it made me realize, okay, well, COVID robbed us of our distractions, right? And, And, you know, no movies, no sports, no nothing, no going to the bar. And, and then I just started thinking like, yeah, COVID ain't shit really like yeah it, it, you know it, it was like because that's how my my brain operates it's like yeah, COVID is shit. You know, it, it's gonna kill a couple million people but yeah they'll get a vaccine for it and then you know but systemic racism it ain't going away and then i started and this is how a lot of stuff happens with me creatively then i started thinking well what what if covid was a character and what if systemic racism was a character and and the the main artist that i'm working with on discombobulated now is a is a cat named Quinn McGowan out of Memphis. And um and we get on the phone pretty regularly and just chop it up. And and Quinn is really um, you know, he's a lot like us, you and I, Sean, where it's just like, you know, crazy ideas and and you gotta be careful what you say to him because he'll be like, yo, that's a great idea, <laughs> right? And you know, right. and sometimes you, you want people like that in your life creatively. You don't want people like that in your life criminally, right? So yeah. if, if you're the sort of person who's like, yo, man, I'm about to rob this bank. And then you got that boy who's like, yo, let's do it. I'll drive the getaway car, right? Here's yeah. my gun. You know, click, clack. <laughs> you know? So, um, so he just threw together these uh, – he threw together the systemic racism thing. I didn't even tell him what I thought it should look like. He just threw together this, this design, and I saw it, and I was like, yo, I, I got to – like." honestly it was it was for him it was like you put in this work you put in this energy to create these these visuals that um i gotta do something with and so i just i started writing down some stuff and and was like you know with each line of dialogue that i wrote each strip that i wrote and and then i'm continuing to write i'm like "Ah, i think this is going too far and and this will lead into part of the conversation a little later about this other project um like, yeah, who cares if I'm going too far? You know, like, yeah. like, like we're living in a time where the president of the United States is trying to shut down the United States Postal Service so that he can stay in office, right? I mean, yeah. that's really what's going on. And it's like, at this point, now I got to be very clear. I'm not going to make jokes about pedophilia. I'm not yeah. going to make jokes about child pornography. Of course not. Point, you could do anything. As right. far as I'm concerned, everything is off the table at this point because the most shocking shit we can think of is happening in real life and a bunch of it, the government is behind. Like it, it ain't, there ain't no conspiracy theories about it. It's like, like, you know, when we were younger and, and it was like, you know, everyone's talking about the government cheese that they give out to, to poor folks, right? And it's like, you know, there's something in that government cheese, you know, and it's, right. it's you know, yeah. or it's like, no, every conspiracy theory you're hearing these days, um, a lot of them, like, 
they're not even conspiracy theories. It's like CNN is reporting. Oh uh, yeah, they're they're removing post office boxes. And, yeah. It is. It's crazy. No, it, it is. Um, yeah, I was curious. I was wondering about who 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 came up with those designs, and and yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, you know, systemic racism was 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 great. But I, I hear I hear you. You you, you, you probably did push the envelope. Um, <laughs> but I but you know what? It needs to be pushed. Yeah, the times we're living in, it certainly does yeah. need to be pushed. And I and I think the only the 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 only direction I gave Quinn is. Um, with, with systemic racism was I was like, just think of, uh, you know, the creature in, in John Carpenter's The Thing. And, and, but instead of making it terrifying, try to make it more ridiculous than terrifying, right. you know? Uh, that's and, a good note. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's one of the things like I, 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 I've got a friend who's illustrating right now a, a discombobulated short story. So it's mm-hmm. our, the first story that would be a, um, a multi-page, it's a 10-page story. And and it's a friend of mine that I've been wanting to work with now, in in terms of comics collaboration for like over thirty years. I met him when I was in high school, right? Wow. And um, and it's and it's it, in some ways it's taking the original roots of what I was doing with Discombobulated and and taking it to this the next level. And he sent me some pages the other day, and and it was like, yo, this is this is brilliant, and and. It was, I had had another artist originally working on it and, and there was a certain character that needed to be designed. And when I brought my friend Steve on board, I said, well, here's what the, you know, this other artist made the character look like. And he goes, well, can I, can I make it however I want to make it look, you know? And then part of me was like, dude, I really like this other design. Like, well, why can't you use this? But I didn't say it. I said, go ahead, do, do whatever you feel right about, you know? And then he showed me the, the design and I was like, yo, this is better. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know, what, what do you want me to say? Uh, you were like, and, and that's, that's, you know, part of what I love about comics is when, when the collaboration works, it's when it's firing on all cylinders, it's firing on all cylinders. So yeah, yeah. Before the day is up, I will, um, I'll get a, I'll get another discombobulated. I don't know if, I don't know if to, this, this week's is going to have, um, systemic racism and and COVID in it again, it might feature an old character from when I first launched the strip a couple of years back. Oh, uh, good. N- n- namely Count Ofe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who was who was the symbolism of racism before systemic racism came in. And I feel like Count Ofe needs to uh needs to make a return and maybe have a conversation with um with systemic racism. Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, there it is. A little, a little, a little preview. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So then, moving on, uh, let's talk about the project that has uh, taken over your 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 week. Um, oh that a lot of us can relate to, especially those of us in the in the the nerd world, which is that you have um, your office had become uh, chaotic and you <laughs> decided to, um, you had to do something about it. Now I have to say, you know, this is one of those things where it's to me just, it goes with the territory to some degree of, <laughs> of, of, of the world of the nerd and the geek. And yeah. what I mean by that is, is when you really think about it, you know, like it's and 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 even more so as you've been um, tasked with doing these uh, 
Zoom panels for 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 the con. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people's room in the background of their of their screen, dude. And, <laughs> and, and I'm being honest, especially when you were like, you know, especially when I would be watching the the, the, the sessions that were not the Hollywood stars. You know, yeah. when you're wa- in other words, you're watching the sessions with like comic book writers and artists. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, I can I I know the signs of when someone's um uh uh, uh living space or working space. Yeah is cluttered with a lot of stuff, you know, and because, because mine is, you start looking behind, you're like, oh yeah, you see the, the vinyl toys and, yeah. and the stacks of graphic novels. And you're like, if we expand that camera out, there's just going to be more of that stuff. So, so I want, and, and I've tried to strategically place the camera. <laughs> like you can't, like you can't see the floor. Right. Like, yeah. You don't know how bad it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, I, I think, I think everyone does, but like game recognizes game. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so throughout like the virtual comic con, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, there's another one and there's another one. There's another one like me. There's another one. There's another one. So, so, um, that being said, yeah, it's, it's not like you're on this Island where no one, um, knows what you're talking about. We all know what it is. Yeah. But, but, but what, what has got you to that breaking point? You know, some people don't have a breaking point. Like you and I have a friend, uh, Roger Wong, and that's another oh, episode. And there is no breaking point. He just goes and rents out warehouses to store more stuff. So, um, well, Roger's so your breaking point. Not to, not to badmouth him, but he, I mean, he's technically a hoarder. He's like, yeah, yeah, that I, is true. I'm not quite there, but I'm almost there. I'm like, I feel like, I'm like one life tragedy away from becoming a hoarder, you know, where it's like, like when you watch the show back in the day on whatever it was, A and E or whatever, it was, um, it was always like something happened, like, like some middle-aged lady's son died and that pushed her over the edge. And and next thing you know, she's got like 50 cats and half of them are dead and stinking up the house. So I'm not that bad. Um, But I just, I have a ton of shit. And, and it's like, um, it's a lot of books, a lot of comics. I tend to save things, you know, like I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll save an entire magazine in in the old days. What I would do is I'd get a magazine, Rolling Stone or, or premier magazine, which isn't around anymore. And and I would just save it. And sometimes I'd remember why I was saving it. Sometimes I'd forget. It was usually for like a single article, maybe a couple articles, um, and then I would get to the point where I would just tear out the, the article and put it in a folder. Um, but then this should just like <laughs> yeah. organized, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the point of that? <laughs> like, like there's, um, and I found this, like, this is an example. Um, I found there's, there's an article about John Holmes, John Holmes, the former porn star who, who he died of AIDS and he was, um, he was caught up in this really brutal murder in LA back in the eighties, the, the Wonderland murders. the Wonderland murders. And, um, and I, I have a whole file on, on John Holmes and the Wonderland murders because I've, I've long wanted to do a story, if not set like specifically with that in the foreground, with that in the background, right. And in the eighties, LA porn scene, right? Well, I have all this stuff, all these articles, you know, but they're they're like in 500 different places, right? So so that was part of it. It's like I'm always going, oh, I got to find something. So what happened was, and this is kind of funny. 
it's no big secret that, you know, I've been co-writing Young Justice with um, with Brian Bendis, and we uh, we found out a couple weeks back that that the book was was ending its run. Issue twenty was going to be on its end, was going to be the end of the run, and we had these specific notes of what we wanted to do, and there was there's a couple moments in the script that recall something that happened early on um, before I'd come on board uh, when, when Brian was writing the book himself. And, and so I have all the issues, but I needed to find a particular issue that had this particular se- sequence of events with this particular character because we were going to recall it in issue 20. And I was supposed to be taking the first pass on it, right? And I couldn't find this fucking comic, dude. I, I knew where it was. I knew it was in, in the office somewhere, but I could not find it. <laughs> and, and so that's sort of what set me off. And then in the process of looking for this one single comic, I started finding these other, and it's always a book or a comic or something like that. It's always, and I can't find the fucking thing. There's another, there's a graphic novel that I've been looking for for like two, three months, and I could not find it to save my life, right? So this is how bad it was. Friday, I found that particular graphic novel that I could not find for two or three months. I found it, no, excuse me, I found it on Thursday. And by Friday, I had lost it again. And and I was like, ouch. Yeah, so like the Young Justice thing, I found that fairly quickly. And that was, I found that before I made the decision to just clean up and and get stuff organized. But it was the process of doing that and finding it that it was just like, you know, you find a, like a couple of pieces of paper and it's like, um, why do I still have this receipt from an El Pollo Loco in Los Angeles that's a six-year-old receipt? Like, like why? Why do I have this slip of paper? You know, it's like, was I saving this for tax purposes? And because um, like, that's one of the things I'll do. Like, if I go to a convention, let's say I'm going to WonderCon, which is in LA, I, you know, I get all my comics, all my toys, all the things that I get there, but I also save all my receipts because so much of it is a write-off. And then but randomly you'll find something and it's like, oh, I remember getting this book yeah. at WonderCon. And oh, like, why is there a receipt stuffed in it as a bookmark? And <laughs> the receipt is like seven years old. And, and so it's just... I, you know, people say, oh yeah, clutter and disorganization is, is a sign of a creative mind. And and that may be true. It may not be true, but I know that I have officially hit a point where, um, like it, it was, it's too much and it was just too much of a hindrance. And, and in a lot of cases it becomes a reminder. It's like, it's one thing, like you have an issue of Rolling Stone, right? Right. I still have an issue of Rolling Stone from 1986. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah. And it's because Run DMC was on the cover and it was the first time a rap artist was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. That's why but, I saved but, it. But, 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 but by the way, yeah. on the surface, yeah. that doesn't sound that bad because it's this iconic historical moment in music. Yep. And, and, part of the reason you inherently save that and you know we're, we're both cut from the same cloth on all this stuff so that, <laughs> like um is you think you know this this is going to be worth something you know what i mean <laughs> it's a milestone but also it's going to be worth something and then 
and then you, you know, as we get older, that's the one thing you discover, you know, at some point you, cause at some point you do, you try, oh, well, let me, let me see what this is worth. And, and, it's, and the best is sometimes, you know, to me, that is the beauty of the eBay age is that you don't have to go searching for, oh, who, who would, who would buy this? And, and a value, you know, it's like, you could just go on eBay and see, and that will be like the, it's always the ultimate truth, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I can't tell you how many things that I've, I've gotten rid of because I'm like, oh yeah, wow. I, I bet this is worth a ton, you know? And then you look on eBay, you're like, oh yeah, they, they, people do have this too. They're selling it. It's like for $5. Like why, yeah. why, why, why are you keeping this rolling stone issue for $5? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, 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 and, 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 and then it also, it's like, unless you've been keeping it in like some airtight, you know, uh, uh, because I did, I had like, I had an issue of like the, the, the preview issue for Vibe magazine, like not even the first newsstand issue. There was a preview issue and, and, it, and it's kind of in bad condition. I did keep it, but it's in bad condition. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, yeah, well, if it was in absolute mint, pristine condition, 50 yeah. First yeah. of all, you know, it's like, like oh, whoop de doo you know? So, um, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, and it's, and it's just interesting because, you know, I had, that's my, that's my tip for collectors. Uh, like that's my tip for, for, for all of us is that you use eBay as a purging mechanism as you, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. if you, you know, because what happens is you start cleaning up. And you look at something and, and you have the best intention, just like, I'm just going to throw it all away. But then all of a sudden you pause and the pause always screws you up because the pause, when you, you look at it, you stare at it and you're like, and you start thinking like, huh, well, maybe, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this one by. And then once you start putting stuff by the side, like an hour later, there's like five or six things that by the side. And what you should do is look at those five, six things that you paused and go to eBay. And then when you go to eBay, you're going to be like, nope, put that right back in the trash pile. <laughs> I did that. I did that with uh, there's I can't remember the name of the magazine now. It was I think it was called Black Issues, and it was a, a you know it was a book about or a magazine about um like black books, black authors. You know, oh this this issue we interviewed Toni Morrison. You know, it was like and, and I had a subscription to it in the late '90s, early 2000s, right? right? And and for some reason I still have a bunch of them. And I was like, I'm looking at them this morning. And I did the pause with every single issue. Yeah, yeah. And I flipped through every single one. And I was like, I, I was looking for the article that was the reason I saved it. Yeah. And I was like, and in the past, what I would do is like, oh, well, I can't find the article, but I know I must have saved this for a reason. So I put it back in the save pile, right? Yeah. Today was like, nope, I, I don't see, nothing's jogging my memory. There's nothing that's catching my eye. Um, you know, it's like, in some instances, because it's like, oh, maybe there was an interview with someone that I knew, or there was something that I was saving for research purposes. I just, I chucked them all. I recycled everything. And, and you know, one of the things, and, you know, we should talk about this, because, you know, our, our grandparents, they saved a lot of shit. Like, yeah. they, 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 yeah. like, like but that, like, if it was, if it's possible to inherit that sort of shit in the genes, you know, the DNA, like we got it from them. Yeah. Cause, um, there, 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 there was like boxes of like Ebony and Jet magazine in yeah. like in their basement, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you realize like once again, it, yeah, I guess as kids, you know, it might be cool to look back and oh, wow, they kept an issue of like Jet Magazine from when the Jackson Five were first introduced ever, you know, like, like okay, cool. 
but I, what are you going to really do with that? And, and it just, it's just collecting dust and must and then mold. And then it's nasty. So they had, you know, not only that, they had national geographic in the basement. They had T old TV guides in the basement. And I know because I kept one of those TV guides. I don't know where it is, but I know for a fact, I still have it's like <laughs> a 1965. Um, but then they, there was also like, there was a stash of porn down there somewhere that was like our uncles and, you know, like trying to like, Oh, yeah. there's a house down here. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I had a, um, my, my mentor, you, you never got to meet Dr. Hill, but George Hill was a guy I met in the early 90s, and he'd written a bunch of books on black film and black Hollywood, and he really helped me get, really get started on the path that I'm on now, and, and he, he was a hoarder. He was a straight up hoarder. You'd go over to his house, and it was like little aisles of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, one of the things he talked about that was really, and this was, you know, when I met him, like the internet was really like, I met him in like 94 or something like that. So the internet wasn't something that we all really knew about then. And, um, but he talked about, you know, he was, he, he justified saving everything because he was like, it was all in the name of research. Right. And, and, and so that kind of stuck with me because there would be times, especially in the early nineties where, you know, especially when you're you're dealing with collectors, where like somehow you might get a movie on VHS that's a bootleg, and then you you dub it and send it to like three other people, and then in return they would send you, you know, a copy of something like Write On magazine that has an interview with you know uh, Rudy Ray Moore, and it's like okay, so like all this stuff starts to to build yeah. up, becomes, and some of it really does have historical merit, but some of it just has bullshit nostalgic merit and and um and so i I made the decision that i'm going to i I do have a a massive collection of stuff that i I vowed i was never going to get rid of because it was all like serious hardcore research material you know old stuff of from um articles from the la times and hollywood reporter all about the history of black film and and i decided that i'm gonna um I am going to get rid of this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm in the process of finding a university that has a black film studies program. Ah, good. I'm going to, I'm going to donate it there. I'm not going to throw it out and I'm not going to sell it. Um, but I, I am going to make sure it goes to a good home. Cause a lot of the stuff I haven't, I really haven't looked at in, you know, in some cases like 15, 20 years. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's yeah. that. That's, that's me trying to get rid of shit. And <laughs> right. that, that makes makes sense. And that's a good that's a good solution with the university. Yeah, because 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 a lot of that a lot of that stuff does have uh, historical value. And yeah, you pass it down to to students that can really benefit from it. Um, yeah. So the last part of of of, of today's episode, um, as I said in the beginning, and every now and then even though we talk all the time, there'll be something that I just don't recall us ever talking about. And so this, this week on, um, on social media, you posted uh, a bunch of pictures, um, developmental sketches by Robert Love for a series that you were going to do. Um, and, and you called it, you know, maybe one of the most militant um, concepts. Somebody else. Oh, someone else told you. So someone else. So someone's told you that they that they had never read anything as militant as 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 this concept. It's anti-white. Uh, as yeah. This. And 
and I dug that and 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 I saw where where one of our Bitterroot producing partners, Sevo Hanian, also said, Yeah, come on, do it then. You know, oh, and that was and that, and, that, and that was my opinion. I was like, Oh, what how come what? Like, come on, dude, Let, let's go. So tell me about this project, man. And like, like, what was it? How did it come about? You know, what, what was it supposed to be? Um, yeah. Okay. This is what it was supposed to be. Um, this is years ago. Uh, we're talking a long time ago. And, and some people who are listening might know there was a time when there wasn't a beef between these two, but um, I, I used to be friends with, well, I am still friends with Reggie Hudlin and, and I was friends with Aaron Magruder. And, and there was a, time and this is before reggie was writing black panther where there was um talk of him uh aaron and him doing some more doing some stuff for marvel again before black panther uh happened and they reached out to me and they were like oh you know we should we should all collaborate on something and at this point i was really trying to get you know my foot in the door in the comics industry and i had put together this uh captain america and falcon pitch that um, was like, there was no way in hell Marvel was ever going to do it, right? And it was uh, Captain America gets murdered and Falcon goes on the rampage to find out who killed him, right? And, and it was just like, you know, this, it, was, it was very much like Dark Knight Returns only with the Falcon, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it just like I realized early on, this is never going to happen. Uh, and then I put together another pitch in which the concept was um, that Captain America, Steve Rogers, wasn't the first experiment; that it was it was a black soldier. And then the truth came out, which is that one that Kyle Baker, that Kyle Baker did, yeah. And and it was so. This was all around that particular time in the '90s, early 2000s, um, and. You know, and I was like, okay, someone else has this idea, but I couldn't get over the idea of, and I and and I was writing Falcon as a really bitter, angry superhero, right? And I couldn't get over that initial idea of like, you know, even as much as I kind of liked the Falcon as a kid, he was he was clearly a token, right? He was this token superhero. So I I, I started playing around with the idea of, well, how about if I just turn these into my own characters and then I, then I can take the kid gloves off. And so I started to develop a story called um, the working title was token. Mm -hmm. And, and it was about a token black superhero. Right. And it's about this dude. He's, he's been retired for years um, and he's essentially the Falcon and he comes out of retirement in part because the captain America like character is murdered. And, um, but he doesn't really care because he hates Captain America, right? Like, I, I, I'll, I'll just refer to them as Captain America and Falcon, even though it wasn't them, right? Um, and what he, it turns out Captain America was murdered by um, a black supervillain who's part of a massive crew of black supervillains that have all been black men and women who've been experimented on in prison right? Because they're in yeah, a private yeah. prison and they're trying to perfect essentially the super soldier serum, much like what happened with Luke Cage. But it's, it's actually turned into an army of super powered black folks and they all escape from prison and they just destroy America, right? Yeah. And 
this is the only dude who can stop them is this black superhero. And it's like, what do you do? Because they're, they're destroying a system that he's recognized as being corrupt and, and stacked against them. And now he has to defend a country that he despises. Cause he's like, he, he's, he's, it starts out and he's like, yeah, I hate white people, you know? And, and he's an, and the, and the thing was, as, and this is the interesting thing. This is one of the reasons I, I, I started thinking about going back and revisiting it because I'd started writing it. I was in my late twenties when I'd first come up with the idea and I carried it over into my, my early thirties, you know, now it's 20 something years later. And it's, it's one thing to think about what an angry black man in his fifties is. And so, um, so anyway, I, Robert Love and I had been talking about doing something together for a long time. And I, I, I dragged him into this thing he did some character designs and and then he did some sample pages and he was going to and this is really before digital picked up right so he had sent i want to say like i think there was like five or six sample pages that he sent up to canada to get inked cuz he had hired an inker to do them and to this day we don't know for sure what happened to those pages but they never came back from Canada. Right? Ah, some intrigue. And so all there was was like, Robert had made some photocopies of, of the pages of which I, I found one of them the other day. That's what I posted, right? Um, but yeah, those pages just disappeared up in Canada. And I'm going to say they disappeared probably around 2000, 2001. And, um, and that really kind of knocked the wind out of my sails at that point. I was just like, th- that was that particular project was one of about four or five that I was really trying to make happen. And, and working in comics, when you don't have money and there's no publishers giving you any money, can be really difficult because you also got to find an artist. And, and I, I'm not going to say who the editor was because they're still in the industry. But I, I, I was trying to get a publisher at the time. And, and I, so I showed it to a couple of editors that I knew casually through like my connections going to San Diego comic-con. And, and one of them was like, there's like, there's no way anyone will ever publish this. It's like, he's, he, they said, he's, he said, it's great. It's a great concept, but it is the most militant anti-white thing I've ever read. And I was like, yeah, well, that's the point. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so, I, and so then, then the pages got lost yeah. and then I was just like, and so I didn't give up on comics, obviously, but I was like, of course, you know, there's, it's like Kenny Rogers says, you, you got to know when to hold them, no one to fold them. And, yeah. and that was one of those things is like, okay, I'm going to walk away from it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I do look at now and I go, huh, maybe I should, um, cause there's, there's actually, and I, I posted maybe two years ago, there's an, there's some images of the, of the main character of his, his name was, his name was black onyx. Which is the stupidest name because yeah. an onyx is already, onyx is already black. black. Yeah, black, black. <laughs> yeah, and, he was, and, there was, and so there was there was a dark sense of humor to the book. Right. And he was like, you know, at one point he's like, "Why the fuck did you guys name me Black Onyx? Like, like Onyx was my name, you know, right. it's black hard stone." And you know, he's like, "But no, you guys had to add black in front of it in case nobody knew what you know." Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, you know, we'll see. I I it, I, I talked to Robert the other day, so maybe I can convince him to 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 come back to it. Yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, we'll we'll see. I I um, it's funny, right? I because I think that at the time that you guys uh, came up with it was it, it, people probably weren't ready. You know, it, yeah. people would lose their mind. Uh, I mean, listen, let's be let's be honest. People really weren't ready um, for your take on, on Nighthawk. I mean, <laughs> you, you were getting death threats. And I, and I should say, people, I think people were ready, but then, so then some people certainly were, um, as opposed to now where people recognize, like, that middle, that middle road recognizes, oh, yeah, this was, this was, this was like, this, this is everything that's happening now. That's what, that's what that comic book was dealing with. So bring that character back. I think there's something there with Token, though, man. I think the, from the name to, to everything you just said, I'm sitting here salivating. So um, right. I'm, 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 I, I can't see you not telling people about that. And I can't see people not listening to this podcast and being like, hey, yeah, let's talk about that. So, well, so I'm glad you were, you were able to share that story uh, uh, for this episode because I, I, I think that there's something intriguing and exciting about what you were doing with that all those years ago. And, and you know, and it's interesting because there's, there's little bits and pieces of, of that story, um, a line of dialogue here, a character reference here, whatever, that, that's actually ended up in other things yeah, over the yeah. years, right? Like even there, there's, there's definitely elements of Nighthawk that, that had its origins there. But, but again, it was, it was such a toned down thing and, and it really was, it, it got into this notion of it, it was what token was always supposed to be was about, you know, it it's, and I have yet to do this. I've always wanted to do my ultimate take on what it means to be a black superhero. Yeah. And and especially specifically a black superhero in America. And and it was like in the context of, you know, we're talking about a time before black lives matter, before we were saying that, you know, the, the closest frame of reference we have really um, the, the two things that were inspiring most at the time were really um, the O.J. Simpson trial and the Rodney King trial. Yeah. And and both of them were like these polarizing moments in American history. And there was a character in the book um, named Donnie Jenkins, who was, if you see the design, he's, he's Johnny Cochran. Like Johnny yeah. Cochran was basically a character in it. And it was just about like this. And, and it was, you know, definitely there was influences of like the spooky sat by the door in it. And, and this, this moment of like, okay, you know, the villains, as we get to see them, are like they were made by the system, you know. I and and it, it's funny because I, I just finished watching on Amazon uh, Free Meek, you know that that yeah. documentary, and I was like, I was like, damn, this is essentially a lot of what I was talking about in Token, you know, like right. all the stuff about how like um, there's these people who become something that they didn't want to be, you know, like, like you and I have grown up with people who have done things that were outside the law. Most of them weren't like at 10 years old, most, most black kids at 10 years old, when we were kids growing up, they wanted to grow up to be Superman. They wanted to grow up to be Batman. They did not want to grow up to be crack dealers, right? Like nobody, you know, nowadays you hear some, oh yeah, he always wanted to be a dope dealer, but wasn't like that when we were kids. And, and so I've, I've always wanted to do a story that was reflective of that. And now as we're talking, I will 
explore the possibility of, yeah. of that. <laughs> All right. Well, this mission accomplished for this episode then. Um, we've heard it here first. You know, the token might uh, might get developed in some format. Short story, something. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, that's that's exactly how I would do it. I would do we'll it as a, um, essentially like a, 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 a graphic novella. Yes. Like maybe something that's like maybe 40 or 50 pages as opposed to which I know, which I think is the is the is 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 the way to go. Yeah, you know that'll be a future episode, like like how how that's a format of storytelling that I think can be used a lot more often now. Um, well, yeah, man. Listen, uh, thank you for sharing all yeah. three of those subject matters. Um, you know, I think it made for a great episode, and uh, and thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, and and to everybody listening, we're going to get back on track. We will be uh, doing episodes more regularly. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we we do have some guests lined up again, so we're going to get back on with that. And you know, until then, um, you know, as always, you know, be healthy, be safe, be well, and and also just be careful because you know, there's some craziness out there these days. There's systemic racism and there's uh, COVID, as uh, illustrated by Discombobulated. So, yes, stay safe and stay well, people. Peace.